Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. I am your host, Jonathan Romero, and today we will be finishing up chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 20, 21, and 22, just just three verses. We touched a little bit on it last time, but I think this is really good to um, finish off. And let's, let's begin. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 11 all the way on to the end of that chapter. So it says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So, Ephesians has been an amazing book to go through. Um, this letter of Paul uh, to the church of Ephesus and the surrounding churches. Um, this is a great letter. It's filled with uh, so much truth, uh, so much that allows us to be put in our place and understanding how amazing is God's salvation through the gospel and also how unable we were and God made us able. God changed our hearts uh, to want him and desire him now. Um, And as we desire him, we want to know him more. And one way we do that, or one of the only ways we can do that is reading through his word, because his word is truth. And Jesus prayed for us in John 17, that we may be sanctified by God's word. 
So let's read verse 20 and uh, just finish it up. 20, 21, and 22. Uh, Verse 20 says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So here we're getting a picture of a building. And it says that this building, Jesus being the cornerstone, us being uh, the stones that are uh, being stacked upon this foundation, it says that this foundation was laid out by the apostles and prophets, right? So we are, verse 19, it says that we are saints, right? And members of the household of God. We learned that the household of God is not only uh, this idea that it's it's a place, but it's actually us. We are this household of God. That We are uh, the body of Christ. And it says that God is going to dwell in our midst. And here it says that built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Well, what was the purpose of the apostles and prophets? Well, they were the ones to prophesy and preach God's word and proclaim God's truth. And that's what's being built here. This is the foundation. What is the foundation? It's the truth of the gospel. Um, And mainly Jesus Christ being this cornerstone, he plays a major part in this. It says here, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So you can see that the apostles and prophets played a major role uh, in building this foundation, right? They are not the specific foundation because Christ is the foundation. But the foundation is being laid out by the apostles and prophets. And one thing we can note is that once the foundation is laid, you don't lay another foundation on top of it. Um, the foundation has been laid and has been set. Therefore, now God can build his temple, right? And we are known as the temple of God. And here it says that Christ Jesus himself. So Christ is the cornerstone or him being the cornerstone. So the idea here is that this stone um, of this building plays a major part in that building because without that stone the building would fall apart so without christ we would all fall apart and it says that we are being held together by the word of his power all of creation is actually and it's amazing to see that christ jesus himself being a cornerstone this plays a big part in the local church right this is what makes the local church important, right? We're not called to be lone rangers, and this is why, right? How can a stone apart from the building still be part of that building, right? That's that's basically what a lot of these lone ranger Christians like to say. They say that they are, yes, I am, uh, I'm part of the church, just not the local church. I'm part of the, the church as a whole. Um, but that's impossible because... If you take that stone away from that building, you're no longer part of that building that's being built. And here, the household of God is being built. So, if you are a believer, the local church is very, very important uh, to have to, uh, to be surrounded by other brothers and sisters who can walk with you, encourage you, rebuke you where you're wrong, 
and strengthen you and, and sharpen you, right? Scripture tells us that that as iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. Um, how can we sharpen one another if you're a lone Christian? You're by yourself. Uh, we need the local church because God has instituted the local church for us to grow in. Um, and that's how God builds his kingdom. Um, and that's how we are encouraged and that's how we are preached the truth so that this truth that we were preached by, we can send it off and share that same truth to others around us. And here it's letting us know that Christ Jesus is that cornerstone. So what holds the church together is Christ. And apart from Christ, the church would fall apart. Um, in verse 21, it says, In whom the whole structure, right, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So again, Paul always speaking of in Christ, in the Lord. And here it says in the Lord. So the whole temple being joined together. So we're being joined together. And it says grows into a holy temple. So this sanctification that's happening. We're growing into this holy temple. And why? Because God will not dwell in a temple made by hands. It's a temple that is set apart, right? This It's a temple of not of this world. And here it says that being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So again, Christ is vitally important in this building, uh, this temple. And Paul is given this picture because uh, they understood uh, this uh, metaphor that he's giving, uh, that temples are being built and they understood how important these temples were and this is where the worship happened uh, this is where um, the people would gather to hear God's word and here it says that grows into a holy temple in the Lord and it says in verse 22 in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit so again from verses 11 and on, on to the end of that chapter 2, um, Paul always makes a distinction between the Gentiles and the Jews, or you could say the circumcision and the uncircumcision, right? We know that the circumcision party were the ones that were called God's people. So they were given the ordinances, they were given the promise, they were given uh, the worship, the ability to to come into God's presence, right? But we learned last time that only one person, one day of the year, was able to go there. And there were steps into which they can step into the Holy of Holies. They can't just walk up in there. There's, um, there's cleansing that has to happen. And here, it, it seems like it's, crazy to understand that now God is going to be dwelling in our midst, right? We wanted to come to him. Now he comes to us and it says in him, you also are being built together. So again, this togetherness that we have as a church should be uh, not only spiritual, but also visible. We, we should see 
that brothers are desiring to want to get together with each other and grow in fellowship, right? What is fellowship, right? Fellowship is not getting together with a brother or sister and talking about uh, the latest sports game that happened or going to the movies and talking about like what greatest hits um, is playing right now or whatever you can add to that. No, fellowship is when you get together with your brother or sister and make much of God, right? Make make much of Christ. And that's this idea um, that we should have and understanding uh, that we should have whenever we come together and we say that we are going to have fellowship, right? Fellowship is conversation, yes, but it's conversation and making much of God, and speaking of his truth and, and and just exalting the Lord um in everything right and and I'm not saying that you have to take away the food you have to take take away the movies or anything like that to fellowship what i mean is what is fellowship is the getting together with the saints in recognition of making much of god talking about him, uh, learning about him, um, telling each other what you just read through the scriptures and what you learned, um, a new hymn that speaks much truth in it because it is in reference to a specific portion in the scriptures, um, whatever that case may be. So this being joined together, this um, being built together, this dwelling place for God, we are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Um, there's It plays an important role, and sometimes we like to get rid of the local church and just pretend that we can be a Christian apart from the church, but that's nowhere in Scripture. You don't see that. It is assumed that you are part of a local church. Um, and here, let, let me reread uh, what we're going through today. It says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, right? So we're be, being built on this foundation that's laid out by the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone apart from Jesus, uh, the structure will not stand. The building will not stand. And it says, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Again, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. This is um, how we are made into this holy temple in the Lord, um, or grow into. It says, in him you also. So now he's in reference, he's referencing to the Gentiles and saying, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So remember, the Jews the circumcision party, they were the ones given all of the ordinances in a worship. But here we, Paul is letting the church of Ephesus know, the Gentiles there know, that they also are being built into this same building. See, this is what's beautiful about this gospel, that it didn't stop with the Jews. <clears throat> yes, Jesus did come to save his people from their sins. And he did come for 
those specific people. But what happened was that God hardened their hearts so that the gospel may come to us who are Gentiles. And that's what scripture tells us. And now the gospel can be proclaimed to anybody and everybody. But that was God's main specific plan from before the foundation of the world, that we all would come together in Christ. Right? Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through him. Jews and Gentiles, both need Christ in order to come to God. And that's what he's letting us know, and that's what he's telling us. So that's the idea that we have to take away from here is the fact that in him you also are being built together. We Gentiles who were dirty, filthy, known as the outcast are now being built together into a dwelling place. But not just a dwelling place for a random person, but it says for God by the Spirit. So us who are vile and dirty and nasty and our good works are as dirty deeds or dirty rags now are being sanctified and cleansed and purified and made holy so that God can dwell in our, in our midst. That's a supernatural, if you want to use that word, thing that can happen. It's beyond what is natural to us. Right? This is only something that God could do. And this is the idea of the cross and what Jesus did on the cross, right? So it's this w, double imputation that we impute our filthiness, our sins, and we put it on Christ. Or Christ puts it on himself. And his goodness and his righteousness, he puts it on us. Therefore, when he's on that cross, the father, when he looks down to unleash his wrath on his son, he sees our filth. So this wrath that needs to be appeased has been appeased on Christ, and Christ took that punishment for us. And this is that picture of the gospel that and this is why it is by grace and grace alone is the, the, the fact that we were unable to cleanse ourselves. Christ took our sins. We are no longer dirty. We are no longer tainted. And he gives us his righteousness, right? So no, not only are we clean, but we are also made righteous. And that is done by Christ and Christ alone. So now whenever the Father looks at us, he no longer sees our sins, our filth, because that has been done away with on the cross. And now all that the Father sees is his Son's righteousness. And this is what, what makes God allow us into his kingdom. Or he says, or he asks the question, why should I let you in? There's nothing else that we can say but Christ, he took my punishment. He gave me his righteousness. Lord, I do not deserve 
to be in your presence. But because of your son, <clears throat> we can enter. And this is the beautiful thing of the gospel. That we were unable, God made us able. He gave us a new heart, new desires. And now we desire to know more about this Savior that saved us, right? And this is what God is doing. He's slowly growing, but he is growing the church in China. The church is growing drastically. You would think of any place that in China, the Christians would not prevail, but God is preaching the gospel through not only believers, but the unbelievers, right? There's books being written. There's Bibles being uh, printed out and sent out everywhere. Um, the gospel will not be stopped, and it's going to be spread amongst around the world, and it is happening everywhere. We might not see it because we live here in the United States, um, and it doesn't seem like it is prevailing because it seems like the other side is winning. But we have to understand what does Romans 1 say? Well, that they are given over, right? So it, it, the picture is that God is giving over those people who do not want him. And these people who do not want him, they choose to not want him, right? So there's this, God chooses his own people, right? And makes them his own. We were all unable. But at one time, before Christ, we hated God. We wanted nothing to do with him. And God changes our hearts. We now desire him. And that's what moves us to put our faith in him. But this faith is given to us by grace as a gift and a salvation. That's why in Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not on your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. <clears throat> and if we are to boast, we are to boast in the Lord. So let's always remember the things that God has done for us that we do not deserve at all, Right? This may sound very negative or um, just downcast, but in reality, we have to re always remember where we came from so that we can truly admonish, truly love what God has given us, these benefits that the Lord has given us, right? The ability to be in his presence without him killing us right? That's amazing that we no longer have to fear God in a way that uh, the unbelievers should fear God because his wrath is on them still. God's wrath is not on us if we are believers. If you truly have believed, but if you haven't, know that this could be possible. You could be joined together with other believers, with other saints, and built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God commands us to repent from our sins. That means do an about face, 
That means turn our back towards sin and turn to him. And we are to acknowledge that we have wronged him. We have sinned against him. Tell him, I'm sorry from a genuine heart that is sorry. And trust in Jesus because of what he has done. His life, death, and resurrection plays a big role in our believing. We have to believe that he is Lord. In the Greek it says that um, we are to believe that he is kurios. He is the Lord. And those who put their faith in him will not be put to shame. All of us who have Christ or are in Christ, we will not be put to shame. Why? Because God prevails. He is the creator of the universe, right? God is sovereign, meaning he is in control of everything. So if that is true, then we have to always remember what God is able to do, right? There is nothing that God cannot do. Obviously, God cannot lie because it is not in his nature. And so is anything else. So I say, repent and believe. Read the word, read the scriptures, and read through Ephesians. Um, it is rich. Um, and the many things that, that we learn about God and about us and how we can be redeemed, right? The idea that Jesus is our Savior, our Lord and Savior, is the fact that we need saving. And whenever we come to him, there's nothing we can say, but nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross I cling. So with that, I would say just press on. And if you don't have a local church, find one. Find a local church you can gather and get together with and be fed by God's word and truth. This is Follow Me to Heaven. 